Hello, and welcome back to Learn It From a Layman. I am Carl Christensen, joined tonight by Tim. I'll break your kneecaps, Cox. Well, finally, a complimentary nickname. That's a, <laughs> That's a compliment. <laughs> I think so. Well, mostly because muscle? I'm small of stature, so anything <laughs> suggesting otherwise. <laughs> um, okay, yeah, we're going to talk about insurance, but before we do, we have to talk about the fact that I no longer have a mustache. Um, I don't actually love having a mustache. I'm okay with a beard. I'm okay with a goatee, but a mustache? I don't know. There's something about it. You know, I think it's because... Feel- you have no memory of the 80s. PI. <laughs> it just makes me feel dirty, you know, like <laughs> like I've done something wrong and living. <laughs> we just but, lost uh, one eighth of our viewership, all <laughs> the mustachioed men. But we've gained actually a larger percentage of the population <laughs> who agree. <laughs> um, Boy. Craven pandering by mustache bashing. That's just. <laughs> well, I, I do have to put the caveat that my wife likes mustaches. And so that's thus job, the reason buddy. I ever had a mustache. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Mustaches, though, unrelated to tonight's topic, which is the basics of insurance. And candidly, so we're again a day late releasing a podcast, which somehow, again, is Tim's fault. Um, but. <laughs> In a real way, I didn't oh, record this podcast earlier because we have a couple uh, pipe, uh, uh, podcasts in the pipeline uh, about ones that have been requested. The chemistry has been requested for a while um, and, and you know, a variety of other engineering topics. But um, I wanted to come up with something that I was passionate about that I wanted to talk about. And it probably says some, you know, relatively unflattering things about myself that I'm actually passionate about insurance, but it's only yeah. because <laughs> I'm not, I'm not an, I'm not an actuary. I mean, it's not a thing uh, that I do, but most of us don't even know what an actuary is. <laughs> yes. An actuary, uh, is a professional, uh, number cruncher slash insurance um nerd i think is their official title right tim yes i'll vouch for that answer all of my (laughs) actuary friends will agree because you'll make them because that is one group of people that you can bully tim (laughs) whatever they're growing mustaches and becoming much tougher (laughs) actually actuaries probably go in the class of people who don't care if you call them a nerd because they know how much more money than you they're making. That's true. And they know how to analyze the the risk that you pose. And they know that Tim poses very, uh, Tim and I pose very little risk to their personal not, well-being. Not until we grow better mustaches. <laughs> sure, I, have an awesome, I have an awesome mustache. <laughs> I will vouch I for to, that as well. <laughs> I had to shave it for my Halloween costume. It was a good, it was for a good purpose. Oh, um, what kind of a yeah. costume would you wear that requires you to save a, what? Oh, yeah, yeah, well, I'll have to, I, you know, what I think we can do is our next podcast, I can be in, in, uh, in costume and maybe it'll up our YouTube viewers because it is disturbing. So, um, well. <laughs> 
Okay, let's get so let's get on to insurance here. So we talked a little bit about actuaries. Actuaries, yeah, that's just one of the variety of um, insurance careers. Uh, anecdotally, to start off, um, a little discussion of insurance and and kind of what my background is in insurance. I uh, my first coding job, so I am a software engineer by trade. But my first job in the software field was actually working for a company that did um, that provided software to insurance, car insurance, auto insurance companies that um, that did rate comparison. So back in the late uh, aughts, I guess, um, we, um, the company I worked for, uh, coded up essentially insurance manuals, which is only slightly less interesting than it sounds. <laughs> wow, yeah. <laughs> um, but it was, it was really insightful for me, besides the fact that I've, I got my first a foot in the door with a coding job. I also got to learn a lot about auto insurance, which is one of the reasons I do care about kind of the health, uh, or not just health. I care about insurance in general is because there's a lot of specifics, and I think the layman knows some of them, um, but is generally just aware that insurance is a large percentage of the money that you uh, spend monthly out of your paycheck. And so the more that you can refine your knowledge about insurance, the better that uh, your chance you're going to have of lowering that uh, insurance premium and or upping your your insurance effective uh, uh, effectiveness efficiency. Efficacy? Okay, whatever, Tim. Don't. I, I, I do not appreciate that type of crude language. <laughs> okay, car. Let's start with some auto insurance here. So. We're going to talk about coverages first here. So before we talk about um, policy, you know, costs and all those other things, let's talk about the actual thing that you're paying for, and that's in coverage, right? When you're paying for insurance, you're you're giving money to a company that is promising you coverage over something. You're, you're insured in some way, meaning they're going to take the risk uh, in, uh, of some possession of yours or of your life, and so. Auto insurance is uh, the coverages that obviously deal with your uh, automobiles, with your cars. So there's a liability insurance, and uh, in liability, there's a couple different types of uh, coverages there as well. There's your bodily injury insurance. So liability is the most important variety before, sorry, before I go in specifically what liability insurance covers. Uh, Liability is the one that, uh, for the layman out there, that's the one you really have to care about. Because is that the one you're legally required to have in the United States at least? That's correct, yes. So there are usually state limits, um, meaning you have to have a certain amount of coverage legally um, in order to operate a, a vehicle. So, okay. uh, um, and and your, the, whoever offers, whatever companies offer auto insurance in your state, will know those uh, state minimums and won't, you can't buy a policy for less than the state minimum inside your state. So you don't have to worry about that, but you do have to worry about the fact that what most laymen don't know is that if you buy the cheapest auto insurance and you're paying for, let's say, I think the state minimum in California, it's pretty low. It's something like 15000 30000 which means like a $15,000 per person bodily injury limit and a $30,000 per incident limit, meaning if there's two or three or five people in the vehicle that you hit, uh, 
your insurance caps out at that $30,000 limit. And for an individual, if there's just one person, it'll cap out at 15,000. Um, if that is what you're paying for and you get in a very bad at fault accident where the individual that you have, um, hit, uh, has severe injuries, your insurance is done at that number. They can't, they're not legally required to pay anymore, but you are, uh, <laughs> you are legally on the hook for whatever is over that. Um, mm-hmm. Now, here is uh, the, um, the, the, solid, the, the, the comfort I can give the layman out there is most of us aren't worth a whole heck of a lot of money. And so it's not worth, uh, it's not worth going after us. Um, I know, think if it, I'm injured by someone else in a car accident, I have to give them money. <laughs> Uh, yeah, pretty much. That's how that works. Then. <laughs> um, no, the, uh, you know, in, in very few cases, you know, if Jeff Bezos just absolutely smashes your vehicle and you're in the hospital for a month and he has state minimum, state minimum car insurance, which surely he does. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I mean like only state minimum. Yes. Yes. Uh, he has at least state minimum Tim, but yes. Um, let's say he's, uh, actually a tightwad. He's super cheap. And he pays you $15,000 and your medical bills are $100,000. It is absolutely worth your time to get a lawyer and get the rest of your uh, hospital stay covered. Um, however, if I got hit by Tim, which is incredibly likely, I mean, I don't know how I, have, I haven't been yet. <laughs> I keep trying, but you're good at dodging. <laughs> um, the... Uh, the likelihood that I'm going to go after Tim, besides the fact that we're family and that would seem a bit, you know, yeah, wrong. Come on, Carl. Even talking about it is offensive. <laughs> uh, you know, Tim, Tim, well, he, you know, is, is managing his money quite well. He's not Jeff Bezos yet. Um, and so <laughs> me going after him is probably not going to, I mean, between the lawyer fees and the court dates and all that other junk, how much am I really going to get covered? Um, so your, your, your coverage limit, it, it, I mean, certainly take it serious because people can go after you. And if you don't have the insurance cover, uh, coverage necessary then, and, and you have a large equity in your home, guess what? They can go after that. Um, so be aware that you probably want to do more than the state minimum. If you're not in your twenties, if you're out of your twenties and hopefully in a good job and, and building up your, your personal wealth, go, go higher. Um, anyway, that just word of wisdom. So that's bodily injury. So that's that coverage that covers the injuries of the people in the vehicle that you hit. There's also, of course, property damage, property liability. So obviously if I mash into say Tim, like, uh, was, was it a Lexus? Um, uh, the, uh, yeah, no, it was a thing of Ford Taurus or was it a Lexus? I don't know. It's something it's more expensive than it should have been. You know, <laughs> it was significantly less expensive after after you mashed into it. <laughs> That's um, right. <laughs> <laughs> if you uh, hit a, a valuable car, um, you could be on the hook for for that property damage. Once again, depending on how much coverage you have um, in your policy. So that's and, the other liability uh, part. And, by the uh, way, speaking of wisdom, just as a heads up. If you are ever going to get into an accident, it will be with an expensive car. That's a, a rule I've discovered. It's just how things work. 
Yeah, well, Tim is likely to get in lots of accidents, and therefore yeah, there's a the reason chances... Carl got me on this podcast. I'm I'm actually an expert on. Uh... Tim can tell you where to hit the car, um, the optimal speed at which to hit it. Um, right. So... How to get different kinds of crumple effects on the uh, exterior. <laughs> Yeah, candidly, Tim, you you should be working for an insurance company at this. I mean, you have so much anecdotal information. Kind that of like that catch me if you can guy went to work for the FBI. Exactly. You know? yeah. yeah. And I, <laughs> I think they probably also would need to get Leonardo DiCaprio to play you. He would probably like, be look, the right guy. You it know. seems like, you know, just looks wise. Well, if they caught him 20 years ago when he was still young and lithe, <laughs> as I am now. <laughs> uh, all right um so property damage okay that's liability insurance there is also kind of a straddling the uh to um you know comprehensive and collision which are your non-liability coverages uh the other kind of straddles the the divide here is the uninsured or underinsured motorist coverage which is the idea that um if i get mashed into by say tim once again, and I'm in, who else? Yeah, exactly. The vast majority of our listeners can consider it a real possibility that sometime in their life, they will be hit by Tim. It's um, actually considered an honor in many cultures. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> underinsured. So Tim, of course, does keep, it does follow the law, keeps the law. So he has insurance, but of course he's also a infamous tightwad so he has the state minimum coverages and so i'm in the uh, in the hospital for you know a month and i come out and i have my two hundred thousand dollar medical bill and tim's uh, insurance company gives me uh the fifteen thousand dollars that i'm owed by them and tim uh has fled the country um with his nickel and uh, i have no recourse so what i can do is i my my underinsured motorist coverage of my own auto policy will cover some amount of the of that medical bill right once again depending on the coverage so look at that number as well um it's obviously significantly less likely because legally everyone's required to have insurance and hopefully sufficient insurance to cover your bills but it is something to be aware of um medical payments um, in the case that you're um you you know, have health insurance or your health insurance doesn't cover whatever issue you have. Uh, comprehensive and collision then are your your uh, your coverages that cover your own vehicle um, in the case of an accident and an at fault accident. So when Tim mashed into whatever vehicle that was, um, it the other insurance the the car that you hit they don't have any right, liability. They don't have to pay any a dime, right? Um, but here, Tim has now mashed our Grand Prix, uh, and we need a functioning car. Therefore, um, we need our insurance to cover the, uh, price to get the car fixed up again. And that is your, uh, that's, that's your collision coverage. And those are usually priced with a deductible. A deductible is going to be a common for a term in tonight's podcast. Deductibles, of course, the idea that before the insurance pays, you have a certain amount of money that you have to pay. So you have your policy premium, which is the amount of money that you have to pay monthly in order to maintain or, or 
every six months or whatever it might be uh, annually in order to maintain that insurance coverage. Uh, but the uh, deductible is the amount of money that you have to pay out of pocket before your insurance will cover a uh, a claim. So uh, just, usually, go ahead, Tim. Oh, I was going to talk about like the reason for the deductible because if you've ever had to use insurance for anything, then you've probably thrown your hands up in frustration and said, "What on earth? I pay them, you know, to cover this. So why am I still paying afterwards?" and and as I understand, and Carl, since you've worked in the biz, maybe you can verify or clarify the purpose of the deductible is kind of it helps the insurance to filter out frivolous um, claims or, you know, from getting nickeled and dimed by people. Right. So so they, they say we're here to cover your dire problems. But if you're going to try to cash in on us every time you got a little scratch on your car. Well, this deductible is going to basically protect us from from that, and you're only gonna gonna cash in on our services if you if you know you really need our our help. Is that am I understanding it right? Correct. Yeah, and and it's essentially it's just a technique, a method to do risk management for the company for for the insurance company, right? The idea, like you said, if there's no a deductible, then their risk is whatever the likelihood is that you get in an accident or anything contacts your car, that that is the risk of having to make a payment. If there is suddenly a deductible, a host of other factors come into play. Like you said, it's not just is, does the damage rise to this level, but does the, per, the um, person that wants to file that claim think it's worth their while? Do they think, you know, it, there's a, a bunch of other things. So their risk, uh, you know, takes a big hit. And then obviously, as the deductible goes up and up and up, their uh, insurance risk goes down uh, further and further. So, yeah, it's just a way for them to manage their risk. And, yeah, they, they don't want people, uh, you know, a bunch of fr frivolous claims. Um, and or if they do, if they're taking that risk on, they want you paying out of the nose uh, because they're going to be uh, covering a lot of things. So And just to clarify, this is a nose with lots of money. <laughs> Wait, who, whose nose doesn't have a lot of money? <laughs> Ask Lloyd's of London, I which I learned the is. other day is not an insurance company. Okay, well, I don't know what it is, so... You don't know Lloyd's of London? They're the ones that they would like, they're famous for insuring, like, you know, Greta Garbo's legs or, you know, some pianist hands or, uh, okay, you know, and that kind of thing. Nice. Fred Astaire's you... feet, or probably legs, actually. Um, nice. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's, I look, I learned something from Tim, no less. Yeah, uh, that's right. Okay. So we're, we're, <laughs> we're getting, we're getting stuck here on auto insurance. I got to move on. So collision comprehensive, comprehensive is for anything, anything that could happen to your car that is not collision related, right? Like uh, a moose runs into it. Um, a tree falls on it. Uh, a kid, uh, you parked it on the street and the kid ran his bike into it. Um, some of the things that comprehensive uh, uh, policy might, might cover. So those are optional coverages. If you, uh, well, well, we'll come back to, to how to manage those types of things. But, and then there's rental uh, reimbursement, roadside assistance, those types of coverages that you can pay for as well. So those are some of the basic coverages of car insurance. Um, 
or auto insurance. And uh, we're going to come back and, and a little bit talk a little bit more about how to manage it. I already talked a little bit about the uh, uh, how to manage your liability insurance, but we'll talk a little bit more about that in a little uh, in, after I cover the other coverages. We're going to talk about health insurance, life insurance, and home insurance. So let's buckle up. It's going to get exciting. Um, health insurance. Tim, do you have health insurance? I do. All right. But if you, for example, have children in a hospital that is not in network, do you have health insurance? <laughs> I could, should I tell my story? I think so. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. So health insurance is fun. So, okay. So Carl's talking about all these things like in network. So how health insurance works, or at least part of it, is they, uh, these insurance companies will like, I don't know exactly how it works, but they'll bargain with different providers and things for deals and stuff. And, and, you know, they've got the, the power of all of these clients that they work to cover. And so they can kind of use that to get good deals. And then, but so if you're one of those health insurance clients, then you have to use one of the providers that the insurance company has bargained with and, and has in their network. Um, and if you do, they'll cover you, but if they don't, then you're on your own. And so, and the uh, price differences can be pretty striking. So, um, for example, we, uh, we, um, my wife was having twins. They were born premature. And so we, we, you know, we're zipping to the hospital where my wife is insured in network and, um, you know, they, they deliver the babies and get them taken care of. And, and as far as premature babies go, things went pretty well and we're very grateful. So, um, so they, they get them into the NICU and they've got them all taken care of and, and we're good to go. So, um, they were there for a month and, you know, it was, it was a very unusual time, but they were well cared for and they did well. And, and after a month we were able to bring them home and that was a very happy time. So, um, but then, you know, fast forward months and I mean, months later, and we start getting these eye popping bills. Um, as it turns out, um, while my wife and her labor and delivery were covered on you know, in network, which is why we went to that hospital, our daughters, who we had on a different insurance, were not. And we hadn't really had much experience with, you know, NICUs and stuff like that. So their labor and delivery was covered, but their NICU stay was not. So it turns out that a month stay in the NICU times two ends up being a lot of money. <laughs> and That's so, what actually the bill said, right? It didn't just say a lot of money. Yeah, that, that's right. It said, more than you've got is that take your mortgage and multiply it by three. And that's how much money you owe. And so it was uh, it was a real eye popping amount. And it took us a, a couple of years, I think, before we finally got things worked out. But we're OK and um, things are good. But, you know, it just it can be kind of a harrowing, uh, unfamiliar experience working through all of the ins and outs of insurance and not exactly knowing what's going on until after the fact and and lots of calls on hold. Anyways, so the bottom line is caveat emptor. Let the insured beware. Beware. Nice. I, I'm sure at this point our international listeners are chuckling themselves about the whole universal health oh, insurance yeah. of 
thinking that they've never had to deal with such an issue. Um, those in the United States, though, we have to deal with this on the reg. Uh, so it really is a hot mess. And um, <laughs> I'm sure there are challenges with healthcare systems anywhere around the world. Yeah. But um, but yeah, it is frustrating sometimes, many times. Yeah. So, right. And this isn't and uh, has never been and never will be a, a debate podcast. But should it be a debate podcast? Um, um, I will disagree with whatever you say, just to. <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, there are various types of health insurance uh, in the United States are, you know, we don't have universal universal health care. So it is important for those of us that live uh, in the United States to be familiar with our health insurance um, and to have health insurance because when you are in severe pain and or dying, the likelihood that you just stay at home. Well, first of all, you shouldn't. I mean, go to the hospital, go get taken care of or yes. whatever you need to do. Um, but uh, make sure that you're insured first, because otherwise uh, you could be in for uh, large and unexpected bills. So but if you're not insured, still get to the hospital. Dying is is a suboptimal outcome. Yes, there are lots of charities. There are lots of organizations in the United States that do help. Uh, that make bills disappear. Um, and I'm not talking about the mafia. Um, <laughs> you want to make that bill disappear? <laughs> I got a friend. <laughs> okay, let, let's hit a couple terms about health insurance before we move on, though. So there's the uh, traditional HMO and PPO. So um, your HMO is uh, a... Uh, sorry, I had the term looked up here. Let me see if I can find it. Uh, it is your health terrible what? term, by the way. Sorry, I just hate HMO and PPO. It just makes my skin crawl. Even just talking HM? about it. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's worth knowing about, though, Tim, so that we don't have children out yeah, of Yeah, that's true. Just like you should uh, know about bed bugs. <laughs> health maintenance organization. That's what HMO stands for. And that general, uh, that's uh, insurance where you have a primary care physician, and they're kind of the gatekeeper. Um, you kind of have to go through them to get authorization for services that are not emergency services um, that you need. So if you need to go see a specialist somewhere, uh, meaning anything that is not your either pediatrician or is that primary care physician, uh, you need to go via your primary care physician, get a referral and move on to the, uh, the specialist. Uh, having that gatekeeper saves the, this organization lots of money because once again, you don't get frivolous, people frivolously bopping into a variety of doctors who they think they want uh, or need services from when uh, in reality, the primary care physician would say, oh, actually, that's not what you need or this is this isn't the time to do it or whatever it might be uh, they um, that that gatekeeping mechanism helps them save um, and which then helps HMO plans be generally a little cheaper than their alternative or, or uh, ubiquitous alternative the PPO the preferred per, preferred darn it preferred provider organization and your preferred provider is more of a network of facilities, kind of what Tim was talking about before, where um, this organization has gone through and, and kind of established some rates with uh, facilities and doctors. But uh, you don't have to choose a primary care physician per se. I mean, most people will. But um, in order to go see a specialist, um, you don't have to go via your primary care, phys a care physician. You can just call up that doctor's office and make the appointment. Um, 
Yeah, so the other types of or, uh, other types of healthcare plans are your point of service or POS, I guess, um, not that type of POS, and uh, e, an exclusive provider organization or EPO, both of which I know almost nothing about, so I won't comment on. But there are other varieties of healthcare health insurance in the United States. Like I said, generally in a lot of other Western uh, countries that listen to us, you have universal health care, which means you're covered as uh, uh, in the country. They're just You go to a doctor and you're going to have coverage. The downside usually is a longer wait, but the upside is you have coverage. Um, so that is health insurance. We'll come talk about that a little bit more. Um, but oh yeah, a couple other ideas before we move on to that is um, for the specialized services, some health insurances don't cover a variety of things you might want. And so you might want additional coverage that you go in, out and pay for another policy. Uh, if you have fertility issues, uh, cosmetic surgery, hearing aids, long-term care, any of those types of things are often excluded in your basic health insurance. And so these are market policies that you can find out there that are just going to be more expensive. And so you can go shop it around if you want, or you can just go get quotes from doctors for those services. Tim, any, any insights into health insurance? You know, I'll draw just one thing. There's something, it's not actually insurance. It's called a health share. Um, and I actually use this. Uh, it, so, so a health share, it's kind of like a, um, so the, you, you pay into it kind of like a health insurance, but it's, um, it's, it's not technically health insurance. It's just when you, when you do anything with your, with health or, or anything that would be covered, you pay for it out of pocket and then you, um, apply for it to, to be covered by the health share. So it's kind of like a kind of like a credit union is to a bank kind of thing. It's technically a credit union technically isn't a bank. It's just a bunch of people, you know, pooled their money together. And that, that's kind of what a health share is. Um, so I've, I've got limited experience with it. So I'm not going to say go out and do a health share, but they, they tend to be a bit cheaper. Um, but they're also more selective. Like, um, you know, if you if you've got. Uh, like let's say you're you're a smoker or something, you're probably not gonna they're not gonna um, let you enroll and and things like that. Um, but if you're if you're young and and relatively healthy and say don't have a lot of money and maybe are are in a situation where you don't have health care right now or health insurance, I should say, if if uh, you don't have a lot of options, um, that might be something to look into. That's kind of a, a better than nothing. And uh, I actually, when I switched um, from one school district to another, there was actually a, a two or three month gap where my health insurance lapsed on my old, from my old job and hadn't started up for my new job. And so I actually um, signed up for a health share for a few months, just so I would have, you know, coverage in case of, it, it doesn't give you a lot of the perks and bells and whistles that a, a standard health insurance would. It's it's mostly like cover you in in dire circumstances or, you know, cataclysmic events, but um, it's just a little peace of mind. So if if you don't have health insurance, you know, get something. And, and if if regular health insurance is too expensive, 
maybe you can at least get some kind of uh, peace of mind with with a health share. So just another option. Again, this is not a recommendation. I used it for three months <laughs> and uh, nothing happened. I didn't have to have to use it, but um, it just gave me a little peace of mind that I, I had something in case of a real bad um, situation. Anyways, bye. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Uh, good information. There's uh, as of. I don't know, it's been more than a decade ago. Uh, health insurance in the United States is. Is it still required? I forget what state the law is in, actually, yeah. but it was once it required. <laughs> mm -hmm. Do you remember? I don't remember. Yeah. Anyway, like a, being if a, a, a fee if you didn't write. Yeah, I just don't remember if they the law changed since the other. I don't know. Anyway, it's again, it's a good idea to have health insurance. And I know the state exchanges still exist and you can get tax subsidized help with health insurance. So if it just sounds too expensive, there are I mean, there, the government does have an interest in you getting covered so that hospitals aren't on the hook for providing services to uh, uninsured people. And and uh, take that seriously, because there you, you don't have to be like you know dirt poor to qualify for a government subsidized health insurance um so there's a, a lot of people qualify and i think probably more than than are taking advantage of it so right so regardless of how you feel about that about the law uh the reality is that it's a where we are and if you and I, it's a good idea to get coverage and uh if you want to go out there on a personal market and find your own and you have the money to do so, great. But if you don't, use that uh, use that to your advantage. Um, all right, life insurance, everyone's favorite insurance. Oh. Um, the insurance that you will never use. Yeah. Maybe your, we hope. your loved ones. Yeah, yeah that's great. <laughs> your loved ones might use will. it, but you will not use this insurance. <laughs> <laughs> um and so that is uh, here's what I highly recommend. There, there's a variety. We're going to talk about the basic times of uh, life insurance, but uh, the term insurance is the one I highly recommend. And the whole idea behind term life insurance is you're buying life insurance for a specified uh, t period or term. And meaning I'm buying it for a year. I'm buying it for five years. I'm buying it for 10 years. I'm buying it for 20 years. And I can get a fixed rate for that period of time uh, that I'm paying a certain amount monthly for a death benefit of a particular value. It just so to make sure everyone's clear, life insurance, it means if you die, then your um, your spouse or whoever your beneficiary is gets paid a bunch of money, basically the replacement. Um, so in, in my case, I have life insurance so that if I die, my wife and kids will, who are suddenly without a, you know, my income will have enough to get by and, and for example, take care of if, if we have a mortgage, they, they won't get kicked out of the house or, you know, and they'll have, they'll have their needs met. That's what life insurance is for. Right, exactly. And we'll talk a little bit about why. You know when when to have life insurance when not to have life insurance here near the end of the podcast all of these things i'm going to go through and just kind of talk through the, the risk uh, association with each insurance and how it changes and when it changes and how to evaluate that for yourself um but yeah life insurance as lame as it is 
you should have it, especially if you have dependents. If you have no dependents, I guess it's up to you. Uh, probably get your burial expenses covered. Um, but uh, yeah, health insurance and life insurance very often are covered with uh, group policies at work. So if you have a full-time job, you're going to have health insurance available to you and life insurance available to you. At, at Usually life insurance, is, they're going to require a um, not inside a group scenario. So if you buy it on the on the market, on the open market, you're going to need um, a health evaluation in order for them to assess the risk that they are taking in your policy. Because if you are 80 years old, it turns out you're significantly more likely to die in the next five years than the 20 year old who also is applying for the policy. So, uh, yeah, you, you it, wait, you're, you're not an actuary. <laughs> no, no, I, I am Sam. That's how I knew that. <laughs> That's right. That's why they so, pay you the big bucks. Yeah. I don't know how anyone else could ever know that. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yes, the, uh, Besides that, obviously, if you're diabetic, if you have a, you know, a chronic yeah, cholesterol issue, high blood pressure, all these different things are going to go uh, skydiving. <laughs> right. Uh, those things are going to affect the risk that you uh, pose to the, the company as per your, you know, the likelihood of your death. So the, the group policies assume a certain baseline risk uh, across a larger group of individuals, right? my software company, it turns out very few software engineers skydive. I mean, some do, but most don't. And so, um, you know, but if my, if I worked at a, uh, skydiving shop, I'm guessing life insurance is just more expensive, even Probably. for a group policy. <laughs> um, so, the anyway that's so term life is what i recommend if you're going out in the open market even if you uh i think most uh tim your your life insurance at uh, as a teacher is that term life as well yeah and uh yeah don't get whole life uh, you shouldn't mix your insurance with your investments and if tim, you are you stole then... my advice oh <laughs> get off yeah. get off the podcast <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, those whole life, there's universal and or indexed universal, there's variable. These are all different life insurance products. Whole life, the idea is the premiums are the same. You have guaranteed rate of return on the policy's cash value and the death benefit doesn't change for your whole life. Thus, a whole life policy. Universal healthcare, or, sorry, healthcare, universal life insurance, uh, the premiums increase, uh, but has a cash value that decreases. Uh, to pay for that increased premium and it grows based on some type of interest rate market-based or bond-based or something and a variable uh, life insurance I think the idea is it's based on a stock fund uh, so it takes some management by you and so you can get some return but it's once again it's a mixed product a cash value for your death benefit versus your value of an insurance product or your investment product so like Tim said Every uh, financial planner I've ever talked to said, "Don't just don't mix these. It's unnecessary." And as we'll come back to later, when I'm talking through the various types of ways you can manage this, the, these insurance products, it's just clean. There's a reason for it to to be cleanly just health, uh, life insurance. Um, and we'll come back to that why. But that's why term is what I recommend. Burial insurance apparently you can just get, and that's your basic life insurance where it just covers your death expenses, your expected death expenses. 
Okay. Home insurance. I think we did talk a little bit about this a year or two ago when we talked about the basics of buying a home. Tim, does that sound familiar? It does. Um, that's, you have uh, insurance on your house, Tim, right? Yes. Yes, I do. And you even get the... Did we make a big deal of this on the podcast? We should have. Tim paid off his house. Yeah. It uh, needs to be some type of like applause sound effect. <laughs> Too bad. You get me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take what I can get. So even with your house paid off, Tim, do you need to have home a homeowner's insurance? Absolutely. I mean, well, technically you could not, but then say your house burns to the ground, then, you know, you're not on the hook for your mortgage, but you, right. you know, you'd have to like set up a tent on the charred ashes of your um, <laughs> home's remnants. Uh, and anyways, <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's a downer. I, I think that, that would be a problem. Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't think your wife would go for it. So, um, has told me as much, <laughs> but you specifically talked about putting up a tent on the ashes of your burnt down home. I have lots of ideas, okay? They're not all good ones. <laughs> that, that went without saying. Um, oh, oh, definitely. <laughs> yeah, so home, homeowners is required when you have a mortgage. The mortgage company requires you to have homeowners insurance because, once again, their risk is is based on the fact that if you don't pay, they can take your home. And if uh, your home is gone because it burned down, all of a sudden, uh, you there you don't the the risk calculation has now changed significantly. <laughs> you have no reason to pay them back. Yeah, but beside your good word, um, yeah. or whatever. So, um, anyway, the uh, but so once you pay off your home, it's still highly recommended that you have home insurance because, like Tim said. It turns out your house burns down if uh, it floods or whatever uh, happens to your home. You want uh, you want coverage so that you don't have to uh, pay what now in the in the Western United States four hundred thousand dollars for a new home. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and speaking of of floods, it's always good to to check and be careful. Um, d different insurance policies may or may not cover different situations. So, you know, you'll, you'll have a storm go through an area and flood a bunch of stuff. And a lot of people discover to their chagrin that flooding is not covered in their house and home insurance. And, and so anyways, right. just, you know, pay attention, especially if you live, say, in a coastal city or a floodplain. Right. Right. Yeah. Natural event, natural disasters are frequently not covered. Um, and so a flood is considered as absolutely that earthquakes. Um, I guess I was thinking more of a broken pipe flood, which I think is usually covered, but it is certainly worth looking into your policy to find out. Um, so I was going to go through the uh, variety of coverages, Tim, but uh, did you have an insight in home insurance before I dig into a couple of specifics here? Uh, maybe after you give the, the specifics and stuff, I can I can share okay. some of my personal experience and you know okay. past. So the, there are different the the coverages are lettered, um, which is kind of lame. There's coverage A, B, C, D. I mean, which is pointless. The uh, the most 
recent health uh, home what yes homeowners insurance that I've seen they're starting to be less numbered coverage or lettered coverages because the layman doesn't want to see a letter that doesn't help me but let's say the coverage a is your home rebuilding coverage that's your basic um you know my house burned down how much uh insurance do i have and uh so that's your coverage a and that's going to be something close to the value of your home right um and beware of if you bought your home 10 years ago your value the value of your home has gone up significantly as has the cost to rebuild it so uh, make sure you're insured at a relatively appropriate rate it might not need to be full market value but it can't be market value from 20 years ago otherwise you're going to be uh, have a problem um, then there's the coverage b which is your extended replacement coverage um, once again that's other structures, your garage, your pergola, your gazebo, your what a personal property, your house. Oh no, sorry, that's the next one. Just These are things that people in California have. <laughs> right. Your but your fence, Tim. You have a fence. Um, yeah. Well, I guess we do. It's a wall, but uh, yeah. Okay. Whatever. If it somehow got destroyed by fire, uh, then you'd want to get that that replaced and fences are expensive if you haven't priced out a fence recently they're insane um so that's coverage b coverage c is your personal property and it covers damage to can you believe it personal property um and so that's your how you know the stuff inside your house your cars your personal belongings your diamonds your cash um whatever and so make sure that you that that is if everything you own is secondhand, I speak from experience, uh, you can probably not worry too much about, you know, is that high enough? Because, well, as I look around here, the bed was purchased from the store new because I have standards. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I'm pretty easy going outside of that as far as what, uh, you know, I, I don't need everything brand new from the highest uh, from Pottery Barn or whatever. So uh, if, however, you are that person that wants new things from Pottery Barn, uh, make sure your home is covered, your your property inside your home is covered for your insurance because it turns out refurnituring your house with Pottery Barn furniture after your home burns down or, or there is some type of event uh, expensive so uh coverage d is additional living expense so obviously if you have to if your house gets tented or whatever and you need to leave because of your the termites or whatever um you might need to go live in a hotel for a month or you know who knows um so make sure that that uh, that's covered um with your with your policy as well um coverage e personal uh, or sorry, comprehensive personal liability. So this is one I do have some anecdotal experience with as well. Um, a family that we knew when we lived in Utah, their son was rambunctious and they were over visiting other friends. And I think at one point he got the remote and chucked it directly at their big screen, brand new TV. And he had quite an arm. He plays baseball now. Um, and so it just shattered the screen and 
that was covered by the homeowner's insurance. I think um, I saw that in a commercial once. <laughs> yeah, you do see that in commercials. And this one I anecdotally know actually happened because once again, I hmm. knew people that to whom it happened. Um, so that could be, uh, that's one of the things that you don't always, I at the time didn't think any, I wouldn't have thought that was covered by any insurance, but that's your homeowners, depending on your policy. Um, it turns and then coverage, out their screen was not, their screen was not equipped with reverse 3D. Okay. I stretched a little far. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Tim, for the effort. Um, uh, <laughs> coverage F. Medical expense covers. Uh, so that's medical expense. Um, and that's obviously when somebody slips and falls on the stairs in your home and breaks a leg uh, and then they want to sue you or whatever. Or, or just want to get covered, and that's how you would get that covered. Um, so, uh, your homeowners covers things that happen inside your home, not just to your home. And so, ma make sure you know what your policy looks like there. And once again, with, um, and we didn't talk about this with uh, health insurance, but your health insurance and your home insurance very frequently also have deductibles uh, involved. Um, Health insurance can sometimes have co-pays instead of deductibles, meaning I don't have a deductible as in the amount of pay I have to, to before my insurance pays, but in order uh, to go to see the doctor, I have to pay you know, be it $30 every time I go, independent of how much I've paid over the course of the uh, life of the policy. Uh, your homeowner's insurance uh, will have a deductible and set that to your risk level your your uh, current financial situation which once again we'll come back and talk to you a little bit later um but that is your homeowner's insurance i have uh never made a claim on my homeowner's insurance tim have you i have oh yeah the, um, tree in the front yard in a windstorm well actually it turns out a, a few windstorms over time uh, it blew the branches of the tree to rub against our roof, knocking a bunch of tiles loose, which fell and oh, yeah. hit another part of the roof. And, and anyways, so I'm like, why are all these tiles on the ground? And finally figured it out. And so we had to pay our deductible, but then we got some coverage to replace the roof. What I'd like to know, Tim, is I do know, and I hope lo most laymen listening already know, but if you don't, now you're going to learn it from a layman. Uh, it, when you make a claim on a policy, auto insurance policies are infamous for this, your rates go up. So did your rate go up on your homeowners after a claim? Yeah, so it's kind of hard to tell because my my home and auto insurance policy are bundled. And so I, I don't believe they did, though um, I, I think most people can, if you've looked at your um, insurance rates over the past couple of years, you've surely seen them go up. Insurance rates, I believe nationwide, have, have risen quite substantially. And That's so, true. you know, it, this was a couple of years ago, so it was right at the beginning of that process. So my rates have gone up, though I, I don't feel like it was because of that. Um, okay. And okay. But I will Good. say this just as a, as a little addendum there. I, I called my insurance actually last week 
to because I'd been looking at, at these rates going up and I said, this is no good. And so I called them to see if there were ways I could get, um, you know, my my payment to go down the premium I'm paying. And so and actually they they worked with me and we looked through that stuff and um, actually brought down the payment quite a bit. And um, what, one of the things was that they shifted to like a new um, like rating system. And so when they put me in the new rating system, it spat out a much lower, um, a lower premium. And so my, my advice to everyone listening is if you do have like home insurance or car insurance, just call in every so often and just talk with them about, cause they have different discounts they can put in, um, our car insurance. They're actually having us do this thing where you, um, download this app and it tracks your driving and, if you drive responsibly and carefully, then you can actually get a lower rate. And so there's ways to bring your cost down. Don't just assume that you're stuck with whatever rate you've got. If you, you'll just do a little bit of hustle and a little bit of, of um, you know, advocating for yourself, you can often find uh, a, a way to improve your situation. So anyways, for what it's worth. Well, you just took the end of the podcast, Tim. So, <laughs> no, I have a couple other insights as well, but that is certainly one of them. Um, so the uh, the things to consider, though, uh, with homeowners insurance, like Tim is just was talking about, is the uh, personal uh, rates that you can get are affected by the choices. Um, that you're making as far as what your coverage is you need. So like I said, we're going to come back to that in just a minute though. Final uh, type of insurance I wanted to cover was renter's insurance. And so we, I know we have a bunch of people that listen to us that are in their, uh, you know, teens or twenties and uh, you might not own a home, and, but you might own something other than a, a car that you want to insure and, uh, and or all of your stuff together that you might want to insure. And that's going to be what a rental policy, a renter's policy is for. And those are usually pretty clear cut. They can have like a coverage maximum and they're not usually super expensive. Um, that is something, once again, you just need to consider what what do you own? Uh, is, is it worth um, insuring? And, uh, and, you know, what is the uh, tolerance you have for, uh, you know, damage to that, those goods or loss of those goods? Okay, so those are the varieties of, of insurance and some of the basic coverages and ideas behind it. But let's talk briefly here at the end of the podcast about risk management, uh, what affects the rates, and what you can do about their, your rates. Like Tim said, rates have increased significantly. And uh, so what can you do about it? Well, this, this is all about, and insurance is all about risk management. Like we said from the beginning, your actuaries out there figuring out what, what risks uh, these different policies pose to, um, to the company. So you need to be your own insurance actuary. You need to figure out what your own risk is and what rates make sense for you. Um, so when you're buying auto insurance, if you are a student, do you need anything more than the, the basics? If you drive a clunker, do you need comprehensive and collision? Because do you really care if there's a dent in it? Maybe if it's destroyed, you care. So maybe you want a very high deductible plan where you're not paying much for that additional coverage, 
but and you'd have to pay a thousand dollars out of pocket to get it fixed but that's potentially manageable um versus no coverage where you just have to buy a new car once again it's figure out where you are in, in your financial picture and what kind of risk you can take on versus how much you're paying monthly for a relatively minimal risk the uh, likelihood that you are in a total loss accident uh, where your vehicle is scrapped is low generally so uh, but it's not impossible so do you have the cash reserves on hand to buy a new clunker if you own a clunker and if so why are you paying for comprehensive and collision uh, at all maybe you don't need it because if you get into an accident you'll just buy a new car and you'll the amount of money that you pay for the new vehicle will have been potentially less than you were paying for the policy the whole time um so consider those those types of risk management assessments um same thing for a life insurance uh with i said i recommend term insurance if you have um a term policy and it goes for 20 years and by the end of the 20 years you know your dependents your your children or whatever are out of the house are they really relying on you having a large life insurance policy so maybe you still want one just a smaller one um maybe you already have paid off your home so there is no mortgage to cover for your for your spouse so why have a large uh, homeowner uh, life insurance policy for that so you can cut your term insurance down instead of paying for half a million dollars of term insurance maybe a hundred thousand would be sufficient um so once again where you are in your life and where your financial situation is should affect the these insurance decisions on a relatively frequent basis year annually at a minimum right um and that's true about every coverage health insurance homeowners insurance with health insurance you might think well that's not true and like I said this is for American listeners and or any of the company uh, country country that uh, has private health insurance um, do you have enough for a high deductible uh, enough cash reserves on hand for a high deductible insurance policy meaning yeah, I'm fine paying $3,500 out of pocket as long as I'm my premiums are significantly lower and the policy will still cover me in the case of a uh, something some catastrophic incident because then um you know if if my my deductible is 3500 but my monthly premium is $400 less a month well over the course of a year i will almost certainly make that money back um you know unless i'm at the doctor every day or whatever so um there is there are lots of different ways to, to assess your risk and the type of person you are and the health that you have or the type of car that you have the, the life financial picture that you're in the, the the home risk that you have um and to using that calculate your your rates and and your deductibles and use those as the way that you lower the uh the rates on your insurance um so some of the other things to considering consider when considering prices is um, location matters a, a huge amount for uh, homeowners insurance for car uh, auto insurance um, health insurance probably as well uh, as far as what your cost is going to be so if I move from Nebraska 
you know, rural Nebraska to downtown Los Angeles, you might know that, oh, I'm going to pay a lot more for rent, um, but that's going to be fine. You know, I'm, I get paid more. My job's going to pay me more. Okay, that's great. Wonderful. But are you also aware that your car insurance is going to triple? Um, that you're, uh, you know, you're, if you just, are you just renting, obviously, then your rental insurance might go up. But I, I don't know specifically about that. But if you then, if you own in Nebraska and then move to Los Angeles and buy there, your homeowner insurance, homeowner's insurance might also triple. Um, your health insurance costs might go up. Um, once again, it depends on uh, a variety of factors, though. Um, but those, the location of your car, the zip code that you're in, the uh, location of your home are going to affect the rates. So consider that as well when looking at a, what job you're going to take, uh, whether or not you want to move to relocate, um, and and you know, use that all that calculus to figure out what uh, what rates you should be getting. Um, or you, or you need to, uh, how much you need to earn to counteract those rates. Um, and then the age, the age of everything is huge in insurance, right? My, my age for, for life insurance, my age for health insurance, my, the age of my car for auto insurance. Um, when you're buying a new car, are you considering just the new car payment? Or are you considering the fact that the car insurance is going to go from, you know, to $150 a month to $250 a month? Um, are you considering the age of your home and, uh, as your home ages is, uh, you know, what, what's happening with the things inside your home? Do you need more coverage in order to cover a, a broken pipe, a, a roof that collapsed something like that? So, uh, the age of a variety of the things of your resources and your life are going to affect the risk that you are you need to cover and and the amount that your companies the insurance companies are going to need to charge you okay last thing what can you do about um getting a cheaper policy other than like i said just kind of assess it Uh, tim kind of already alluded to this but you need to shop your policy i mean this isn't a geico ad but you need to spend some time i recommend at least annually looking through your policies. I, uh, a few years ago, I was looking for a new homeowner's insurance policy, and I remember calling an, agent, like an insurance agent and telling them what I was currently paying, and they, they're like, they couldn't believe it. They said, you're paying only that much? They said, you have an amazing policy. And I, that's, I shop my policy frequently uh, because the market is good with the market is good for, and that's competition. And so you get out there, you say, this is what I can offer. Um, as far as the money I'm bringing to the table, because they want your policy premium, right? And they they will have done their insurance calculations, their risk assessment, their actuary tables, and but then you come there, and then they have some an incentive to try to get your business. And so, independent of the actuary tables, it, there might be a discount they can put on the table because they want to get you in with the expectation that you'll stay in. But if you then do stay in for a very long time without reassessing, maybe they're making the money back. The, the money that they kind of incentivized you in with, they're now drawing back over the term of your insurance policy with them. So don't be that person. Get the right rates for you. Get, get what insurance coverage you need by shopping the policy around. Um, buy cheaper things. I mean, the reality is 
it's going to cost a lot to uh, insure your Ferrari. So maybe don't buy a Ferrari if you can't pay for it, if you can't pay for that higher uh, insurance. Um, up your deductibles. If you, Once you are no longer a student and $50 is no longer a large amount of money, go up your deductible. Like don't don't have a deductible on your car of a hundred dollars. You're you're just paying too much in car insurance. Up your deductible to five hundred dollars. Um, like I said, when I was in college, it's got to be lower. You just don't like sure monthly. It sucks to pay for that, but you just can't. I didn't have an extra two hundred dollars. You know, every just at any moment to pay for a car issue. So you have to have a lower deductible and pay higher premiums because you're mo making money monthly, but on a drop of a hat, you might be out of the, out of money, right? So, um, so that's it's it's a vicious cycle when you're younger. But as you get into a more established job, up your deductible, lower those costs. It'll make a long term difference, and uh, yeah, that's the insurance uh, insights that we have. So reassess this frequently, consider your coverages, and. Uh, and if you, like Tim, have paid off your home, good for you. Uh, but continue evaluating insurance needs. Uh, you will uh, need these things throughout your life. And um, yeah, hope this, hopefully this has been useful. Like I said, internationally, this might be not quite as relevant, at least the health insurance and some of these other insurance uh policies and and the way the market handles insurance might be different in the country that you live in but the basic underlying principle of um you know risk management for your own life is super important and you need to be able to identify how you are going to manage that risk um with savings and with insurances uh, insurance coverages so Take the time to do that. It'll get you on the right path. It'll get your loved ones and dependents on a good path forward so that you're not stuck in a place where you don't want to be because you don't have the money to cover your, uh, your, your, your catastrophic loss of a house or car or loved one, and you're just out of money. And nobody wants that. Um, so we just talked about these coverages, and hopefully this layman, speaking to the layman out there, uh, will help you identify some ways that you can kind of better manage all that. So be back, uh, come back here again soon. We're going to talk about, um, like I said, going to talk about chemistry, going to talk about, I think, fluid dynamics is what Matt promised at some time. Uh, so that's exciting. And uh, we'll see you, we'll see you then.